everything else. And I guess, you know, you think about um, when germs spread and all that kind of stuff. One of the one of the traditions that we hold here in the United States, especially, but other places as well, is shaking hands. So, you know, today, since there's so much sickness going around, we can make this an international Sunday. We can do like Japan. Instead of shaking hands, we'll just bow like this and bow and just smile really big. That's the only Japanese that I know. When I was in Japan, I would bow and smile really big, and they understood exactly what I meant by that. So maybe we could try it out this Sunday and see how that works. But it is good to be here. Let me, uh, first of all, to you, and I'll, I'll reiterate this in the next hour as well, say thank you to you as a church. You support Barb and I and the ministry that God has given to us through BIMI. And uh, as one of our supporting churches, we want to say thank you for how you help us uh, and fulfill what God's called us to do, and it really is a privilege to be uh, one of your missionaries. God um, has worked in our lives all through our, throughout our lives, just a short testimony, then we'll get into the Sunday school lesson. Uh, God saved both of us when we were young children, and we grew up in Christian homes, thankful for that. God put us together in Bible college, we got married, and then God took us to the field of Alaska. We spent 10 years in Alaska as church planters there, first of all, in the capital city of Juneau, Alaska. We worked with some missionaries there, helping to establish Lighthouse Baptist Church, and then God moved us to Talkeetna, Alaska, and helped us to establish Talkeetna Baptist Church. Thought we'd be in Alaska for the rest of our lives, but uh, coming up on 21 years ago here pretty soon that uh, God moved us from Alaska back to the Chattanooga, Tennessee area. That's where BIMI is located. We've been working out of the World Mission Center since then, first of all as Far North Director for seven years, and now the last 13 plus years as the President and General Director. So it's uh, an area of missions that we never expected to be serving in, but you know sometimes God has plans for our lives that we don't expect, but God's plans are always best, and we're just thankful to be doing what God's called us to do. So Let's take our Bibles now for Sunday School lesson and turn to John chapter number 4. Obviously, this is a uh, Missions Sunday, and the emphasis today will be on, obviously, worldwide evangelization, the great commission that we've been given by Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so for Sunday School, we're going to start out with a very familiar passage of Scripture that uh, we often refer to when it comes to missions. Uh, let me just, I guess, kind of give a little context to where we're going to be. This is a, a chapter I think you're well uh, acquainted with chapter 4 of John, uh, it's the, the woman at the well, and it's an amazing story of Jesus Christ, and by the way, if you want the perfect example of how to be a soul winner, right here it is, Jesus Christ provides us himself as the perfect soul winner as he discusses with this woman at the well uh, about her need of a savior, and in doing so, he also makes her aware of her sin, the need to uh, have her sins forgiven. And she, uh, in short, as I just breeze over just the highlights of this, um, she accepts Jesus Christ as her Messiah, as her Savior, and Jesus changes her life. So she uh, leaves her water pot, she goes back into the town to uh, tell others about what Jesus has done for her, and then... Come up to verse number 31. This is where we'll start for our Sunday school lesson today. It says, In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. They had, I think it's, uh, if I remember right, verse number 8, for the disciples were going away into the city to buy meat. 
they had left to go find something for them to eat, bring something back to Jesus. As they come back, they're watching all of this take place. Jesus is talking to this woman at the well, and they have a lot of questions as to why and what's being said and all the things that are going on. But finally, as she leaves to go back into the town, they come to him and they say, Master, eat, because they've been away. They've gotten the food. They brought it back. But verse 32, but he said unto them, that is Jesus said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this Sunday school time, and I do pray that you would please bless in this time. Lord, I do pray for those today who are not able to be here because of sickness or for some other reason. I do pray that you give them healing and help them with the situation that has kept them from being with us today. But Lord, I pray also for those of us who are here. I pray that you would meet with us in a special way. I pray that you would give me the words to say as I bring this Sunday school lesson. And I pray that this would indeed be a very profitable time today. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know that um, when it comes to Jesus and the woman at the well, there's obviously a lot of lessons for us to learn, and I've even mentioned one or two of those as we see Jesus as the example for us as the soul winner. But in the, the Sunday school lesson today, what I want to talk about is not Jesus and the woman at the well, but Jesus and the disciples at the well. And as they're at the well, there's several lessons, very particular lessons that Jesus is teaching them. And obviously, Jesus is teaching us. And as we put the emphasis on missions today, that's really the greatest portion of what this is about, this passage of Scripture. So first of all, I want to talk about lesson number one that I see here. There's four lessons total that I'll talk about in Sunday school today. Number one, meat to eat. Meat to eat. The disciples meet, verse 8, as I mentioned before, they had gone to, to buy meat. And then when they return, they say to him, Master, eat. Now, think about this. In verse 32, Jesus says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Now, if you were the disciples, think about this. You had gone off to get something to eat. Now, can I just remind you, there was no McDonald's. <laughs> there was no Hardee's, okay? There was no, I don't know, fill in the blank, whatever your favorite restaurant is. It wasn't like they just went down somewhere, grabbed some food, and then they came back and it was in a, in a paper bag. You know, it took them a while to go and to get the food. They might have even had to prepare some of it. I, I don't know what they got. But imagine they've been focused on that, and now they come back and they say to Jesus, who 
humanly speaking, they know is hungry because it's been a while since they've eaten. And they say, here, Master, eat. And Jesus says, well, I have meat to eat that you know not of. You put yourself in their spot. They're thinking, what, did somebody else come by and bring him some food? Why, why does he say, how can he say that he has meat to eat? We didn't get here until just now, so there's nothing that we brought that he's eaten. And here's the lesson for you and I. You know, sometimes we get so focused on the physical meat of this world, that is, the things that we just have to take care of, you know, food, clothing, shelter, the basics of life. And sometimes we get so focused on that that we forget about the spiritual and the eternal. Now, obviously, we have to take care of the basic things of this life, that's for sure, but we should never do so to the exclusion of the spiritual and the eternal. Um, Jesus meat, he says, verse 34, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. He says, I'm here because I'm supposed to be doing the will of the heavenly father. The son of man, Jesus says, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his focus. That's why he was focusing on people like this woman at the well. I'm glad that when Jesus was in the garden and he prayed, he prayed, not my will but thine be done. And I'm glad that he followed through and did the will of the heavenly father. And he says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And then he says this too, and to finish his work. You know, for you and I, it's, it's a good thing when we start something that we start strong. But I think it's even more important that we finish strong. I'm glad that Jesus didn't come to do the will of the heavenly father and got off to a good start, but halfway through said, you know what? I don't think this is worth it. He finished what the Heavenly Father sent him to do. I'm glad that as he hung on the cross, he could say, it is finished. And the writer of Hebrews says that uh, he is the author and finisher of our faith. So when we think about Jesus' meat, compare it to ours. Uh, what is our meat? Is our meat, that is, what, what makes us tick our lives and what it's about and what our focus is on? Is it on the things of this life, the temporal things, money, house, car, all those things? And by the way, again, there's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. We need those things. But that should not be the focus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then Jesus says, then all these things shall be added unto you. We too, we too should have doing the will of the Heavenly Father as our main goal of our lives. And that's what our lives are to be about. Jesus said, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. We're sent into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. That is what it's about. That should be our meat. That should be our lives. And again, I mentioned not just doing the will of the Heavenly Father, but finishing the will of the Heavenly Father, all the way to the end. Um, when Paul came towards the end of his life, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. For us, when we come to the end of our lives, will we be able to say with Paul, I have finished my course. I, I'm, I'm glad that I, I'm doing my best right now to fulfill the will of the Father in my life, but I don't want it to get to a point somewhere 
down the road here where I say, well, you know, I've, I've tried hard enough and long enough, and, well, I'm just going to take a break. There, I don't ever want that to even enter my mind. I want to get all the way to the finish line so that when I stand before Lord Jesus Christ, I can hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Um, it's interesting to me in this passage of Scripture that we see that happen with the woman at the well. She came to the well with physical things on her mind, that is, to get water from the well. She had a, a, a pot with her, and she was going to fill that up. She was going to take it back. That's what she was focused on. But think about this. She met the water of life, Jesus Christ. She accepted him as her Messiah, as her Savior. Everything changed. And it's very uh, easy to see that change. Look at verse 28 of John 4. It says, The woman then left her water pot. And she went into the city. You know, no longer was that her main concern. Though water is important, folks. I'm telling you, you know, we have to have water, all right? But she said, you know, God will take care of that. I'm not worried about that. That's all of a sudden become secondary now. She says, hey, I've got a new life to live through Jesus Christ. And now I've got to go tell others about the water of life, Jesus Christ. And you and I, it's good for us to realize that everything that we have in this world, it's just temporary. We're just here for a short period of time. John says, 1 John 2, 17, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And that's what we should be focused on, those eternal things, those things which indeed abide forever. So, first lesson that Jesus gives to his disciples, meat to eat. Question for us, what's our meat? What's our life about? What is our focus what makes us tick? Well, if it's just the things of this earth, those things are going to pass away. But if it's eternal things, those things will last for all eternity. So, meet to eat. Here's the, the second lesson that I see Jesus teaching his disciples. And this is a, a misconception about the harvest, number two. A misconception about the harvest. There was a, a local proverb that everybody knew in verse 35, and this is, I guess, maybe one of the most familiar missions verses that there is. He says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. In other words, hey, listen, that's uh, something everybody says. You sow the seed, four months later, that's when harvest comes, right? <laughs> everybody knew that physically, on the physical side. But he says, no, 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 he says, I want you to stop and think about that. He says, the field's are ripe unto harvest now. He says, spiritually speaking, we can't wait another four months. It's time to act now. He says, watch. He says, lift up your eyes. He says, look on the fields, for they're white already unto harvest. Notice he says, lift up your eyes. Let me emphasize that for you today. It's plural. Eyes, both eyes. <laughs> you know, if, for instance... My wife and I were going to go out of town. We might would say to our neighbor, hey, we're going to go out of town. We're going to be leaving. Would you keep an eye on our place while we're going? Okay. What do we mean by that? Well, what we mean by that is, you know, every time you go by, you know, just look over there. Make sure it's, the house isn't burning down. You know, make sure somebody's not carrying our TV out the front door to load it in their truck to take off with it. You know, just, just keep an eye on it. For us, every now and then, check in and make sure everything's good. Jesus did not say to you and I, hey, keep an eye on the harvest. Jesus says, lift up 
your eyes. You see, you and I have a tendency to keep our eyes right here in, in our own little worlds, you know, and the things that are going on around us. And he's saying, hey, lift up not just an eye, but both eyes, your head, focus towards the need that is out there, the great harvest. And he says, lift up your eyes. And then he says this, look on the fields. Look on the fields. Again, let me, let me state it this way to put emphasis on it. He didn't say, take a glance at the fields. Just kind of check them out. He says, look. Let me give you this illustration from when I was growing up. I grew up out in the country, and uh, Pennsylvania is where I grew up, and we lived out. We didn't have a farm, but we lived out and had our own beef, and we had some horses and ducks and dogs and cats and chickens and you name it. We had a whole bunch of stuff. We lived out in the country, and we lived in an old farmhouse. And uh, we, just to kind of put this picture in your mind, we guesstimated that this uh, house was probably around 200 years old. So picture this big old house. And uh, my room, you would go up kind of a circular staircase, go up the stairs, and then you'd go through like a common room, and then you go into my room. So there was a time or two when my mom would say to me, David, I want you to go to your room, and I want you to look for whatever it was at that moment, okay? So when my mom would say to me, go look for that, I, off I went. I'd go up that circular staircase, up the stairs, I'd go through that common room, and into my room I would go. And as I got into my room, you know, I thought, okay, I know where I'm going to look first. And I, I started to look for that thing that she had sent me up there for in my closet because there's all kinds of stuff in my closet, okay? So I start going through the closet. And lo and behold, boy, I find this toy. And it's a toy I haven't seen at least in a month. And I'm thinking, wow, I forgot about this thing. And, of course, you know, turn it on and see if it even works. Hey, the batteries are still good, amazing, you know. And then I get to playing with that toy and I'm having a good time, you know, and all of a sudden, I hear from the bottom of the steps, my mom said, David! And when she called my name, it's like, oh, no. So I take off running to the top of the steps, and I say, yes, as if I don't know why she's calling my name. And uh, she says, did you find what I sent you to look for? No, Mom, not yet. I can't find it. Go look again. So back to my room I would go, you know, and this time, let me tell you, I'm going to find it. So this time I go look, and this time I go under my bed, you know. So I'm checking under my bed for wherever that thing is. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, it's another toy. <laughs> and this one I haven't seen in at least a couple of months. And I'm starting to check this out, and the batteries are kind of low, but it's still working, you know. And I'm checking this thing out, and I'm having a good time. And all of a sudden, from the bottom of the steps, <laughs> I hear my mom say, David Howard Snyder. And you know, when you hear all three names, <laughs> she means business. And, of course, I'm halfway to the top of the steps, and I'm hollering at, Yes, Mom, what do you want? As if I don't know what she wants. And she says to me, David, if I have to come look for that item myself, you will not be a happy camper. And you all know how that translates, right? Okay. And it was interesting that when my mom gave me that motivational speech, <laughs> I turned around and I went back to my room, and as I walked in my room, you know what? There it was. 
it was right in the middle of the floor. I had tripped over it almost the last two times in, but this time when I went in the room, I went to look for that item she had sent me to find. And this time, there it was, and I grabbed it, and on my way I went with it. You know what? You and I sometimes, Jesus says to look on the fields. I think sometimes we're looking, but boy, we get distracted by so many things. If you will, toys along the way. And by the way, those toys aren't necessarily wrong in and of themselves, but they are things that distract us from looking, truly looking at what Jesus said we are to be looking at, and that is the fields that are indeed white unto harvest. So you and I, again, have a great reminder here from the Lord. We're to lift our eyes. We're to look on the fields. And by the way, our, our eyes should affect our heart. Wow, there's a lot of things nowadays that you just turn on the news. It's amazing the things that are going on in our world today, the needs that there are around the world. And boy, I see all the things happening and I... I just can't help but believe the coming of the Lord is so very soon. And with that thought in mind, it reminds me of the need of the hour. We cannot delay. The fields indeed are white unto harvest. And there are places in the world where it's not just white unto harvest. I believe it's rotting in the fields. It's so ripe and so ready for so many places. Oh, what a need there is. The, I believe it's the Browns are with us today, missionaries to Alabama. You know, and sometimes we think, oh, wow, do we need missionaries in Alabama? Hey, we need missionaries in all the entire world, everywhere, including the United States of America. If we'll just look on those fields, we'll see that there is indeed a need. They're white unto harvest. So, meat to eat, misconception about the harvest. Here's the third lesson that I see Jesus teaching his disciples, and it's this. There, there are manifold jobs of harvesting. Not just one job and it's all done, but there are manifold jobs that it takes that need to be done until you get to the harvesting. And look there, he talks about this a little bit in verse number 36. He that reapeth receiveth wages, gathereth fruit unto life eternal. But he talks about the, both the sower and the reaper rejoicing together. Verses 36, the end of verse 36 and the end of verse 37 says, One soweth, another reapeth. Both jobs are important. Um, which one's more important, the sowing or the reaping? Well, we really can't answer that because they both have to, excuse me, they both have to go together. So we need to understand that there are manifold jobs that go on. I, I like the harvesting. I'll just be honest with you. Isn't it amazing when you come somebody, you get to talk to them about the Lord, and they are ripe for picking, you know. Somebody's already done some work, though, in the background. There's some things, preliminary things that God has done in their life to bring them to that point where they even see their need of a Savior, but so many people have already heard the gospel once or twice or three times or maybe many times to bring them to that point. We had a, a, a great uh, experience this fall in our travel schedule one lady in particular that we got to see, and I, I basically got to pick fruit, but I can tell you it wasn't just because I had given the gospel. You know, I, I preached a message in that church in that Sunday morning, and they were there. I didn't even know they were visitors because I was a visitor too, you know, at the church, a visiting speaker. And um, after church was over, I just happened to meet them, this couple. I got talking to them. Then that's when I found out that they were visiting. It was actually their first time there at the church, and we got to talking, and I'm going to just make a really long story short. 
But in the end, after talking with, the man was saved, but she was not. But after an hour of talking with this lady after church, she finally says, I want to get saved. I want, I'm ready to get saved. And boy, I just got to pick the fruit. I got to lead her in a prayer. And boy, she was excited. She gave me a hug. She was so excited about getting saved and receiving Christ as her Savior. But you see, the pastor had first made a contact, I believe it was seven years prior. So for the last seven years, she and others and God had been bringing things into her life, bringing her to the point where there she was on that Sunday morning. And the Lord just happened to use me as I preached and got to talk with them afterwards. I just was part of that process in picking the fruit. You know, that's the part I like, the picking the fruit. But you know what? Sometimes the sowing the seed, sometimes pulling weeds, sometimes watering, that's not all that fun. But it takes all of us doing all of those different jobs, and there's not one that's much more important than the other. They're all equally important because it's part of what we are to be doing as laborers in God's harvest field. Um, I, I love the fact that God keeps the books, and God is faithful. And sometimes, you know, I don't get to pick a lot of fruit, and I see others picking fruit, but you know what? As long as I'm being faithful, and I'm sowing the seed, and I'm being the witness that I'm supposed to be, that's what God notices. And faithfulness is what God blesses. You know, we've got, you've got some missionaries here that you support, I would assume, that are in some parts of the world where they don't see a lot of fruit, but they're faithful missionaries. And you have some missionaries that are in some other parts of the world that, boy, they see all kinds of fruit. It's amazing. You read their prayer letters, and they tell about all these people that got saved. Praise the Lord. But, you know, come Judgment Day, the Bema seat, the thing about it is, is God's going to bless them, not necessarily on the number of souls that they saw saved, but on their faithfulness to give out the gospel and be obedient to do the will of God in their lives. The same is true for missionaries as it is for you and I. Oh, praise the Lord that we're just supposed to simply do the job he gave us to do. And when it comes to missions, there's three big ones that we often talk about, praying, giving, and going. We all need to play a part in all three of those. Are we truly praying for missionaries? Are we giving what God would have us to give regularly to missions? And are we going? Are we being the witness that we're supposed to be? And or is God calling us into what we call full-time missionary service? Whatever it is God would have us to do, we need to be involved understanding that it takes a multitude of people to bring things to that time of harvesting. So there are manifold jobs for harvesting. So one more quickly here, a fourth lesson that I see Jesus teaching his disciples, and, and it's this, the many Samaritans who believed. You say, what do you mean? Well, hang tight. We'll talk about it. I, I love how there are many Samaritans who believed, first of all, through the testimony of this woman. Um, verse 28 says, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, See, here is a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Can, can I just say this? I love the fact that Jesus didn't say to the woman, Now, now, ma'am, you need at least a 10-week soul winning course before you can go out and tell somebody about me. You know? No, this lady just simply said to people, Hey, listen, I've met the Messiah. I've met Jesus. Let me tell you what he's done for me, and guess what? He'll do the same for you. It's really interesting, I don't know if you caught or not when we 
read it there in verse number 28. She left her water pot. She went her way into the city. And watch, the Bible says, And saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. What do you mean? Why did she go back to the men? Do you remember her reputation? She had been married five times. The one she was with now, she was not married. And see, that was her experience. Those were the people that she knew. And, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but can you imagine? I'm not sure if it happened this way. But can you imagine if she goes back into that city? Maybe she goes back to husband number one and says to husband number one, you know, knocks on his door. Hey, listen, I, I got to tell you about somebody I met. And can you hear him say, no, I don't even want to hear it. Just go away. You know, don't just go away. And maybe she has to say, no, 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 listen, this is different. This man, he knows all about me and he knows all about you because he's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's God in the flesh. What do you mean he knows me? And then maybe goes to husband number two and the same thing. And husband number three, number four, she talks to those that she knows and says, hey, let me tell you about the Messiah. You know, simply that's what you and I are to do. The people that we know, the people that we're around, the people that we associate with. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. This is what he did for me. And he'll do the same for you. And the Bible says there, many of the Samaritans of that city, verse 39, believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified... And, you know, I, I'm, that to me is thrilling that many were saved because of her testimony. But what's even more encouraging to me, verse number 41 says, and many more believed because of his own word. So many were saved, praise the Lord, but it didn't stop there. Many more were saved as they came out to see who Jesus was and heard Jesus for themselves let me make this one last application, and we'll be through this morning for Sunday school. You know, we're coming to the end of 2023, which, by the way, is amazing to me that here we are at the end. I thought we just started 2023, you know, and now we're starting 2024 here in just a, really a few days. Take a glance back over 2023 and think about the souls that were saved, not just the souls that were saved by you personally witnessing to someone, but also the souls that were saved because you gave to missions and your missionaries told others about Jesus Christ and they were saved, which is fruit to your account. And, and let me tell you, if you start to think about all the people that were saved just through your giving and through your praying for your missionaries, I think it's going to be an encouragement to you because it is. It's fruit to your account. And I think today would be a good day to stop and rejoice and say, thank you, Lord, for the many who have believed because of the privilege we have to be involved in missions. But here's my challenge. As you look ahead to 2024, as a church, I think it would be good to pray and say, God, thank you for the many, but God, would you give us many more? Help us to not just be content with the many, but God, we want many more. And obviously, if you want many more, that means we need to be praying more. We need to be giving more. We need to be going more. All of those things, understanding the urgency of the hour because the fields are white already under harvest. And I truly believe we are living in the, not just the last days, but the last days of the last days. Jesus in John chapter 15 talks about bearing fruit. And then he talks about bearing more fruit. And then he talks about bearing much fruit. 
And that should be our goal. Never satisfied with where we are, but saying, hey, Lord, I want to see you do more through me in the future than you've done in the past. I mind you what Paul said, and we'll be through. Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. He says, I press toward the prize, toward the, uh, toward the mark of the prize for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If you will, Paul had a divine dissatisfaction about his life and said, you know what? Those things that happened in the past, those things that God's done, I'm grateful for them, but you know what? I'm looking to the future. And as a church, hey, what a great place to be here at the end of the year, looking into the new year, saying, God, give us a divine dissatisfaction, knowing that, hey, it's been wonderful what you've done, Lord, but God, would you please do even more through us? Let's have a word of prayer and close out Sunday school. Lord, thank you for this time and thank you for these lessons that Jesus taught his disciples there at the well. God, I pray that you would help us to be reminded of these lessons today, but even more so, would you help us to take them to heart and that they would change us and challenge us for this day, for this week, and even for the rest of our lives. Lord, please now be with those that are on their way in. Give them safety. Bless in this following uh, service to follow here. I pray that you would have your will and way in hearts and lives. And Lord God, please, please be honored and glorified through everything that's said and done during this day now. In Jesus' name.